Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, December 4th, 2022, is entitled The Multiplication of Blessing. This is part of our year-long project, Year W, a year listening to voices of women, girls, and the divine feminine in scripture, inspired and guided by Professor Will Gaffney and her Women's Lectionary for the Whole Church. This sermon is a reflection on two passages from Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 through 22, and Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, in translations prepared by Professor Gaffney. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our first reading today comes from the New Testament, from the Gospels, from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Let's listen together for a living word from God in these words from Luke. Mary set out in those days and went to the hill country with haste, to a Judean town. There she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. From where does this visit come to me, that the mother of my sovereign comes to me? Look. As soon as I heard the sound of your greeting in my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of the things spoken to her by the Holy One. Our second reading comes from the Hebrew Bible, from the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. From the book of Genesis, chapter 17 verses 15 through 22. Thus God said to Abraham, Now as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, for Sarah is now her name. And I will bless her. And indeed of her, I will give you a son. And I will bless her and she will become nations. Rulers of peoples shall come into being from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to one a hundred years old? And can Sarah, 90 years old, give birth? Then Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael could live in your sight. God said, nevertheless, your wife Sarah shall give birth to a son for you. And you should call his name Isaac. And I shall establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. 
And as for Ishmael, God continues, I have heard you and I will bless him and make him fruitful. And I will make him exceedingly, exceedingly numerous. And he shall be the father of 12 chieftains. And I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall give birth to for you at this season next year. When God had finished speaking with him, God ascended from Abraham. Friends, God is still speaking to the world and to us. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. When I was first learning to preach, I was warned by my mentors about the danger of using seminary words in sermons. Not because we didn't learn important things in seminary we should share with our congregations, but because like any other profession, theologians and biblical scholars employ an entire toolkit of shorthand and technical terms that often require more explanation than they're worth in the short space of a sermon, and all too often can end up obscuring more than they illuminate. That goes double and triple for Latin. Nevertheless, and don't we all think that we are the nevertheless? Nevertheless, there is a principle and a technical term from biblical studies and textual criticism that I want to share with you today, especially as we set out on this year-long, year-W journey with Professor Will Gaffney to listen for the voices of women, girls, and the divine feminine in scripture. And that principle, that phrase is this, Lectio Difficilior Potior. I'll say that again in case you want to write it down. Lectio Difficilior Potior, which translated means the more difficult reading is the stronger one. In practice, this means that as we're sifting through the many historical variants of what we think of erroneously as this one book of the Bible, and even the many verses within the Bible, when we're faced with the choice of which version of a particular biblical passage is more original, more authentic, and therefore more deserving of our attention, Since tradition in the church tends to sand down the rough places over time and remove awkward ideas from the text, when we encounter a counterintuitive reading that sounds like it shouldn't be there, it probably should. In other words, it pays attention to pay attention to snags in the fabric as in our reading from Genesis today. We continue this Sunday with the story of Hagar, the African woman held as a slave by the biblical patriarch Abraham and matriarch Sarah, and of Hagar's son by Abraham, Ishmael. By centering Hagar and Ishmael in this text, by affording them any column inches at all, we know we're already on the margins of the text. Because tradition tells us that 
This is supposed to be the story of God's unique covenant promise to Abraham and Sarah and their promised son, Isaac, through whom God has promised to create for them descendants as numerous as sands on the shore and stars in the sky. And while it's true that that is still the main point of this passage, it is not the only point. Because tucked in here, around the edges, is also another promise. This time to Hagar and Ishmael. God promises to be faithful to them too. And to make of them a mighty nation as well. The words are almost identical. Now by all rights, that bit shouldn't be in here. Because in the future context in which this text took shape into the book of Genesis, the mighty nation of the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham through Isaac, will frequently be at war with the mighty nation of the Ishmaelites, descendants of Abraham through Ishmael. Why should God be faithful to them? Make promises to them, to those people. Why should their God, the Israelites may well ask, go around blessing other people, particularly, well, problematic people like them? Is God not quite as monogamous as we like to think? And for their part, why should the people of Israel tell the story? Over and over and over again for centuries of this awkward family connection and God's blessing for their sworn enemies. This is exactly the sort of story we'd expect the tradition to excise from the text. Here's where Lexio Difficilior Potior comes into play. The principle of the more difficult the reading, the stronger encourages us to sit in this awkward place with ancestors of faith on all sides and wonder. Wonder whether this story, which we may think of as our story, isn't as straightforward as we thought. I ask myself that a lot during the Advent and Christmas seasons, when we rehearse the story of the birth of Jesus over and over and over again. Because traditionally, we tend to make everything about just that, about the miraculous birth of Jesus to Mary as yet a virgin and her husband-to-be, but not yet, Joseph. Now, my colleague, the Reverend Maddie Foster, will have a lot more to say next Sunday about our unhelpful seasonal obsession with pregnancy and childbirth and the pressure that puts on women and families in a sermon she recorded for us before going off on her parental leave. Suffice it to say that a reading of the nativity story that exclusively centers the blessing of multiplication all too often ends up reducing Mary to a reproductive vessel a meek and mild surrogate handmaiden for the Lord, which term should give the willies to anyone who's read or watched Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. 
or anyone indeed who has been paying attention to the increased attacks on the bodily autonomy of women and reproductive justice in this country. And anytime we reduce the gospel like that, narrow the story like that, diminish people like that, we miss out on a wider truth. We miss out on the amazing things God is already doing on what we think of as the margins. The things that God is already doing among and with and not just to those very same people on the margins. Because as our reading from Genesis today isn't about just Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, even this core story of the birth of our faith isn't just about Mary and Joseph and Jesus. It isn't just about the blessing of multiplication, but rather about how God works to multiply blessings. In our reading from Luke today, Mary, full of unexpected blessing, goes to visit her kinswoman, Elizabeth, and hears from her that God has already been blessing her as well. And when these two women come together and recognize one another's blessing, even in their differences, it's as though lightning leaps between them and the babies in their wombs rise up for joy and the women themselves cast aside all concern for social propriety and sing aloud for joy right there on the street corner where God has brought them together. After all, if God can do this for them, and not just for them each alone, but together, what can't God do? Meek and mild, my foot. Together, in their similarities and their differences, Mary and Elizabeth reinforce for one another and for us that they aren't simply empty vessels to be filled. They are prophets of God and partners in God's polyprofligate purpose in the world. There isn't just one holy birth here, but two. And if there are two, then how many more? There isn't just one rebirth here, but two. And if two, then why not more? If them, why not me? If me, why not them? There isn't just one blessing to one person or one set of people, but a whole boatload of blessings meant for all of God's children, even the ones we like to regularly shove to the side of the story, which we think of as our story, and forget or wish we could. No, when God's involved, you get a blessing, and you get a blessing, and you get a blessing, and they all of them get a blessing as well. Because that's who God is. God is in the business of multiplying blessings, of breaking down barriers and building up strange and wonderful new blended families we could scarce imagine and probably don't want to. Kinswomen of different generations becoming closer than sisters. Sworn enemies reminded that they are actually kissing cousins. Even the elderly master and mistress and the young dark-skinned woman they keep enslaved in their home. Ouch. They become something new. 
Certainly not anything easy, but new together as they come to recognize God's blessings where they least expect to find them. Whether that's in each other or themselves. It may be hard to believe and uncomfortable, but remember Lexio Difficilior Potior. The hard story, the difficult story, the strange story that shouldn't by any rights be there is the stronger story. And this, my friends, is the strangest story of all. That these stories are mixed up together, even and especially this story of Jesus that we share in this season, which lies so close to the heart of our faith as Christians. This is no longer just one story about one baby or one people. It's no longer just our story or more appropriately, the story we've claimed for ourselves, about ourselves. For every Mary, there are countless Elizabeths. For every Isaac, there are innumerable Ishmaels, including ones we can't bear the thought of being related to. But like it or not, we are. We are related not by blood or the will of the flesh, as the prologue to John's version of the gospel puts it, but by the weird and wacky and wide open will of God. My words. Because these snags in the fabric that we like to iron out, they remind us that this is who God is. God will be who God will be. God will do as God will do. God will show mercy to whom God will show mercy. God will make promises to. God will be faithful to. God will bless just about anybody God wants to. Just about everybody, it turns out, including us. And in light of that reading, we're called to tell that bigger story. No matter how awkward it may be for those of us whose vision is so much narrower, whose hearts are so much smaller. We're called to follow God's lead and move over to the margins of the story as we understand it, as Mary does, as Abraham does even, and discover there what amazing and wonderful thing God is doing among people who make their lives there and who have their own stories of blessing to share with us, to bless us. It's a strange story. And one we have to work at, we have to practice telling this multiplication table of blessing. But Lexio Difficilior Potior, there, I got it right. The stranger story is the stronger. It's the strongest. So beloved, if you have heard the word of God preached here today, remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen.